It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time, fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I wanted to get some information from somebody on the Seattle side of things based on this Jamal Adams trade. So went out and got the guy who is one of the best covering the Seahawks. He's actually the first one that I saw who had this story a couple of weeks before it happened. He said that the Seahawks would be willing to pay big, and sure enough, they were. He covers the Seahawks for SI and also hosts Locked on Seahawks, Mr. Corbin Smith. Corbin, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking football. What a crazy day that was yesterday. I did not see it coming. I figured it would be something that would kind of drag on for a bit, but boom, it just hit like that. Somebody sending me a link to the tweet from Ian Rappaport where it ends up being two first-rounders, a third-rounder, and Bradley McDougald to the Jets for Jamal Adams and a fourth. I wanted to ask you first and foremost about what your sources were telling you when you heard about this a couple of weeks ago because you had mentioned on Twitter that a big reason why you believe this was not just because your source was somebody who was trusted, but also because if you looked at John Schneider and Pete Carroll's history, they love having stars in the secondary and they're willing to pay, whereas they don't necessarily do the same at other positions on defense, so it clicked for you. And when I saw that you had certain trade proposals that made sense, I thought, okay, this could be a real possibility because this guy's plugged in and he's throwing out trade proposals that aren't ridiculous. If you saw some of the ones that 49ers writers were coming up with Cowboys writers were coming up with Ravens writers were coming up with they were ridiculous but yours made sense so talk to me about the whole timeline here how you heard about it and then the whole process of how this played out from your perspective so I honestly had heard some murmurs way back at the combine that maybe the Seahawks would have some interest in Jamal Adams if it reached a point where the Jets were actually shopping him but at that point, I didn't think that the Jets were in any way, shape, or form trying to move him at all, weren't even entertaining the possibility of moving him. So I, at that point, just kind of moved on. And I knew there were some other players that the Seahawks were looking at, in particular, Matt Judon of the Ravens. They were trying to find some pass rushing help. And Yannick Ngakwe for the Jaguars, they were linked to. There were some rumors circulating. I didn't have a source specifically that gave me any intel on that, but there were some rumors circulating about Ngakwe too. And so... We get to late June and you're starting to hear more noise on the Adams front. There's, you know, he's really frustrated about there not being an extension and no negotiations. And there's already hostility between him and coach Adam Gase. And it all starts to add up at that point. And then a few weeks ago, I was able to reach out to one of my trusted sources. Who's been 
very valuable to me throughout this offseason on a number of different things for the Seahawks, but reached out to him. And the first thing he mentioned was the 49ers. Since San Francisco has already reached out to the Jets, they're trying to see if they can make something happen. He said, but I can guarantee to you the Seahawks, their interest here, they are not just looking into this. They are genuinely interested. And once I started to put some of the pieces together, it, it was, as you mentioned, it was very obvious to me that when you look at the history of John Schneider and Pete Carroll, they just they won't pay top dollar for pass rushers. They didn't do it two years ago for Frank Clark. They haven't done it this year for Jadevian Clowney. When they had Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill, they paid them good money, but those guys were not top five paid defensive ends in the NFL. But they will pay their secondary guys. Richard Sherman was the highest paid corner in the league for a while. Earl Thomas was the highest paid safety for a while. Cam Chancellor was one of the top five. So they will pay elite secondary players. And that's when it hit me, like, if he's really available, if the Jets are willing to discuss this, and they have an opportunity to put him with Quandre Diggs, no offense to Bradley McDougal because he's a very solid football player, but he is not Jamal Adams. If they can put Jamal Adams with Quandre Diggs, they've got a window that's open right now to win a championship. Russell Wilson is still in his prime, but for how much longer – I thought this would be the type of all-in move that John Schneider would be willing to make if they were willing to give up the first-round picks. And ultimately, they ended up sweetening this deal by throwing in that second first-rounder. They were willing to do it. And you look at their past uh, struggles trying to find talent in the first round, you might as well go get a proven player like Adams that still isn't 25 years old. It just all came together. It's a position that they covet in Pete Carroll's defense. Those two safety spots are as important as any position on that defense. And bringing in an all-pro like Adams to team him up with Diggs, who played like an all-pro the five games after they traded for him last year, now that should be the strength of that defense along with Bobby Wagner in the middle. I got to be honest with you, Corbin, never in a million years did I think that the Jets were going to get two first rounders, let alone two first rounders and a third. Were you surprised that they were willing to go that high? Not based on the discussions that I had had. I mean, if you look at the initial trade proposals that I posted on SI, I didn't have any of those trades with two first rounders, but my first option had a first and a second. And so when I was writing that up, I thought they could maybe be talked into giving up two first rounders because you have two years under club control. It gives you a little more flexibility. You're not trading for a one-year rental here. That was the first thing that really jumped out to me, thinking they might be willing to give up more. And again, it's just such an important position in Pete Carroll's defense. And there's a lot of analytics out there. I'm kind of a middle ground guy. I really love watching film, but I also look at the analytics side of things. And safeties, in a lot of ways, offer more analytical value than pass rushers. So maybe that's why the Seahawks have been willing to pay those position groups more than guys that get after the quarterback. And so when I put those two things together and seeing what came out yesterday, I know a lot of people were stunned about how much Seattle gave up. I really wasn't. Do you think that this is going to be followed by an extension right away? Because Adams had said that he would be willing to forego the extension, at least right now, if he was traded to one of the teams on his list. Seattle was on the list. Do you think that Seattle is going to pay Jamal Adams this year, this moment, or are they going to try and put this off? Because obviously when you give up that kind of capital, there's no way that you're going to let that guy walk out the door. If you're going to hold on to him for two years to give up that kind of price seems kind of crazy. So do you think that extension is going to come now? 
Right now, if I had to make a prediction, I don't have a source on this information. I don't have anybody in my ear telling me whether they're going to extend him or not. This is just me giving you my take on it. I think the Seahawks will be aggressive trying to extend him. And maybe they, if you're looking at windows, the Seahawks typically have tried to reach these agreements at the beginning of training camp. So that would mean they would have to move really quickly right now to try to get something done. But at the same time, since they do have that fifth-year option available to them, maybe it was part of the negotiations here. Like, look, we're going to trade for you. You will get extended at some point, but we're not going to be rushing into it right now just so we can facilitate this deal. There's some yellow tape on these trades that there normally isn't because of COVID-19 as well. And so I think there's a lot of factors to look at. I do think the Seahawks will try to approach Adams and his representatives about seeing if they can get this done. But I think that they were looking at this as a case, if we don't make this extension happen right away, then it's not the end of the world. This isn't one of those cases like last year trading for Clowney where it's like, we know he's going to be a free agent after this year. They, they have the luxury of having that extra year on there. Now, I don't think Adams is going to be cool playing out that last year. They're going to, need to get an extension done before then. But I anticipate they'll be fairly aggressive here and see if they can try to work something out. And maybe that's why they made some of the moves they made today, cutting a few players that opened up over $4 million in cap space. It gives them some flexibility to do some things if they want to extend him. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. 
Corbin, how much do you think fear of the San Francisco 49ers played into this? And I don't just mean the idea that the Seahawks knew they were going to have to boost their talent level in order to overtake the 49ers who went to the Super Bowl last year and came very close to winning it. Obviously, they have to bone up there, and we know that Jamal Adams will be a major piece in their defense trying to hold George Kittle down. But I'm also talking about the fact that the 49ers were apparently really in the mix here. There have been reports that the 49ers were looking into this, that they thought they might be able to pull something off. So not only does Adams come in and perhaps be Seattle's key piece to try and stop George Kittle, but they keep their biggest rival from getting Jamal Adams for themselves. Do you think that played into it too? If it did, it was just a small amount based on the conversations that I had a few weeks ago. And you can go back and look at the original article when I reported Seattle's interest. What I was told from my source is that this is not a case where they're just trying to drive the price up for their main rival in the NFC West. Again, this interest was genuine. And from what I've gathered, they sweetened the pot with that second first rounder a couple of weeks ago, basically when I record when I reported this information. So this isn't something that just cropped up in the last day or two. I think John Schneider was ready to bring this big investment a few weeks ago to go get Adams. They coveted the player. And so, yeah, it's nice that you keep him out of San Francisco's hands and now you can use him against George Kittle. But I don't think that that was the primary reason that they made this move. I don't think they were like, look, we have to go trade for this guy that was an all-pro because if we don't, he's going to be a 49er. That was not the main rationale. They look at this guy as a player that can do so many different things at an elite level, and they want to add that piece to their defense that, quite frankly, was one of the weakest defenses that Pete Carroll has had in his decade as coach in Seattle. How do you envision Jamal Adams being used in Seattle? I I think they're going to play him a lot in the box like they did with Cam Chancellor. I do think that there's more flexibility there than what some people realize. This guy ran a 4-4-5 coming out of LSU. He's a good athlete. The fact he only has two interceptions is a little bit misleading. I think he's got good enough ball skills. You see the number of pass deflections that he has. He can play that deep third occasionally, but I think in Seattle's scheme, Quandre Diggs is outstanding at that free safety position. Let him stay in center field, and then you can have – Adams up in the box. You can blitz him some. I think Pete Carroll's really excited seeing what the Jets were able to do with him as a blitzer getting to the quarterback. Just another way that they can help with a pass rush that was putrid last year. They finished second to last in the NFL in sacks. What I'm most intrigued about with this addition, though, they still have Marquise Blair on the roster, their second-round pick from 2019. Instead of playing a bunch of base four, three defense or three linebackers on the field, they'll still do that some, but I think you're going to see some nickel sets that have three safeties on the field. And you might even see Quandre Diggs, who's played some slot corner in his career. He might play that role some for the Seahawks. And then you can have Marquise Blair and Jamal Adams on the field. Blair is another interchangeable guy that can play strong safety. He's got the athleticism to play free safety. They want to get him on the field. Those three guys are three of your best defensive players. You want to have them out there. So I just think this addition gives the Seahawks so much more flexibility with what they are going to be able to do defensively. To me, that's the biggest thing about adding Adams to the fold here. How do you think he's going to fit in culture-wise? It would seem, at least at first glance, that Pete Carroll is the perfect coach for Jamal Adams because he's easygoing, he's free, and Jamal Adams is somebody that likes to let it all hang out. He's also extremely online, so I'm just warning you, Corbin, 
The fans in Seattle may want to mute Jamal on Twitter because sometimes he's a little too emotional. We've seen that quite a bit over the last three years. Do you think that he's going to fit in well with that culture in the city and also obviously with the team and Pete Carroll? I do. I don't see any reservations about bringing this kid in and having him fit in the locker room. There were some people that were questioning Clowney last year coming into Seattle, and and that worked out favorably. And Pete Carroll just has that ability. He's he's built this culture where they've had a few guys come in, Percy Harvin, for example, that did not work out. And Harvin, ironically, got traded to the Jets because of it. But um, for the most part, they've been able to bring in these really loud personalities like Marshawn Lynch. And you had Richard Sherman, Doug Bolton, guys that played with played with spirit. And they also, you know, were, were willing to say what was ever on their mind. And those guys had great success for Pete Carroll. Michael Bennett, who just retired, was another example. So they've had so many of these strong personalities in the locker room. And 95% of the time, it has worked out. And so I don't think that they – I don't think they'll have any issues here, especially if they're able to win as they have done throughout Pete Carroll's tenure in Seattle. I think Jamal Adams will be very excited to be playing on a team that's winning football games. And I'm not bashing the Jets there by saying that, but the Jets have not won many football games. The Seahawks have. And so I think that is certainly going to help their cause when you get Russell Wilson leading the offense. Seems like he and Russell Wilson are already starting to chat on social media. You think they're going to get along okay? I do. I do. I think Russell will said early in the offseason, we need superstars. And really up to this point, the Seahawks had not obliged because they let Clowney walk. And most of the free agents that they signed, their biggest addition still has legal issues he's dealing with in Florida and Quentin Dunbar. And so there's been a lot of fans that have been really, you know, they've been upset about the offseason. They've been disappointed with how the Seahawks have handled it. This was the big move that fans were waiting for. And so obviously Russell Wilson's excited about that. I tweeted that bringing in Adams maybe could sway Jadevian Clowney to come back and Russell Wilson liked the post. So clearly the quarterback is hoping that both of them are going to be in uniform this next year. And it is still a possibility. And so if Seattle goes into 2020 with both those guys on defense, then they have to be feeling pretty good about their chances to contend in the NFC once again. Corbin, tell me about Bradley McDougal because he's the guy that's sort of getting lost in the shuffle here. Everybody's really excited about the draft picks that the Jets got, the two first-rounders and the third-rounder. But McDougal was a legitimate starter for the Seattle Seahawks and a pretty solid player. What exactly are the Jets getting in Jamal Adams' replacement at strong safety? You're getting a very reliable, durable player that is also a home run of a human being off the field. This guy is very active in the community uh, as far as helping people out and providing services, uh, donating his time. He's one of my favorite Seahawks that I've had a chance to speak with in the locker room the last couple of years, too. He's he's candid. He'll tell you what he thinks, but he's pretty laid back for the most part. And uh, I just, you know, on the field, you look at what he's capable of doing. This is a guy that ran a 4-7 coming out of Kansas. That's why he went undrafted. He's not a phenomenal athlete, but he plays faster on the field, and he's very instinctive. He can play both safety positions He is best suited to play strong safety, in my opinion, but he can play that free safety position for you. He's got good ball skills, five interceptions the last two years. He punched out several fumbles as well, so he creates turnovers. He's not a guy that's going to be dishing out hit sticks, but he's a very sound fundamental tackler. And so he's going to be 30 years old soon, but I still think he's got a good two or three years of football left in him because you look at his skill set, like I said, he has never been a dynamic athlete for the position necessarily. 
those kind of players can tend to actually hang on longer because he, he's already been able to, you know, carve out a lengthy career in the NFL with those limitations. And he's, again, such an instinctive player that I think the Jets are getting a good one here. I, I thought they were going to try to push for Marquise Blair, and maybe that happened in negotiations. But Pete Carroll didn't want to get rid of Blair. And McDougald is a really good secondary option on that trade that gives you a seasoned veteran that really was the glue guy for a young secondary his three years in Seattle. His contract is up at the end of the year, but it sounds like you're saying that if he does well here, perhaps Joe Douglas will look to bring him back. Yeah, extending this guy makes sense. I actually was making an argument on Locked On Seahawks a few weeks ago if they obviously had not traded for Jamal Adams, but I was making an argument that if he has another solid season, there's nothing wrong with bringing him back for another year or two on a short-term contract because he is such a reliable player that started all but one game the last two seasons. And the year before that, he replaced Cam Chancellor, who suffered a career-ending injury, stepped into the lineup. He played for Earl Thomas a few games as well. So again, he can play both safety spots. He's outstanding off the field as well. Uh, This is a player that a lot of Seahawks fans, obviously they're excited about getting Adams, but a lot of fans disappointed that they had to say goodbye to McDougald because he was a pretty popular player on this defense the last two years. Corbin, McDougald is going to come in here and play for Greg Williams, and we know what a boisterous personality Greg Williams is. How do you think his personality will jive with Greg Williams? Do you think he's going to enjoy playing in that defense? I think he'll be fine. I think this is a guy that can play for any type of coach. I think he's just a very even-keeled personality. He he plays with fire on the field. He's and Really, he, he leads by example for the most part, though. And so, again, I think it doesn't matter who your defensive coordinator is. I think he's going to find a way to adapt, and he's going to be a, a player that maybe isn't necessarily elite at anything, but he's very good at a number of different things. And so he's going to bring that versatility and that well-rounded skill set to the defense, and he's a very coachable player. So I don't think Greg Williams going to have any issues reaching him and and making sure that he catches on to the defensive scheme. This guy picks things up quickly. What's going on with Jadavian Clowney? Since I have you here, I'm curious because some people are still holding on to hope that maybe the Jets will jump in at the last second, especially now that they traded Jamal Adams and freed up a little bit of cap space. I don't think it's going to happen based on everything I'm hearing. The Jets are cash-strapped, so I don't think they're going to go after Clowney. But there's still rumblings that the Jets might be looking into the situation, and the Seahawks certainly are right there in the mix. What are you hearing on that? Not much has really changed for the last decade, it feels like. I mean, seriously, it does feel like it's been like 10 years since free agency started with everything that's going on in the world. But as far as news with Jadevin Clowney, there really hasn't been anything new since the first couple of weeks of free agency. He's just been sitting back waiting and waiting and waiting for that right opportunity. And I think he just he kept holding out hope. I'm going to get a bunch of money thrown my way at some point. And there haven't been physicals at team facilities and that's certainly hurt him with COVID-19 regulations and stuff. But I think that he's now in a position where he has to understand you're not going to get close to what you thought you were going to get. And so he's going to have to settle for that 15 or 16 million at most for a one year deal, which as far as I've been told the Seahawks, that's basically what they offer last time on a one year deal and he rejected it. So will he go back to that at the Seahawks, give him that chance one more time? Who knows? That could be a reason that they open some cap space up today. 
maybe they're planning one more run at him. But I, as far as Clowney's status, your guess is as good as mine where he's going to sign at this point because there really hasn't been anything new. All the reports that have come out in recent weeks were basically regurgitated stuff from March. It just it hasn't changed. Nobody really knows what direction he's going to go, but the clock is ticking if he wants to play this year. He's going to have to make a decision where he wants to go. I would think coming back to Seattle would be ideal on a one-year prove-it deal, especially after adding Adams, but the cap issue is really what could hold that back. Last order of business, week 14 of the 2020 NFL season. It's going to be the Jets and the Seahawks. You got a lot of interesting storylines here. Jamal Adams coming back. He was fighting with Le'Veon Bell over Twitter. Bell basically accusing him of lying to him when he recruited him last offseason. So there's a storyline there. Perhaps Le'Veon Bell looking to get revenge by trucking Jamal Adams or something. You also have the fact that Pete Carroll, even though it's been a long time, had his first opportunity as a head coach with the Jets and was summarily fired after his first season here because, you know, the Jets always make the right decisions, Corbin. That worked out really well for them, especially since they replaced him with Rich Kotite. What are you expecting to see in this Week 14 matchup? Obviously, there are a lot of things to be determined. Some injuries could happen, but we've got the animosity there with Adams and Bell, Adams and Gase. Pete Carroll, the storyline there, even though it was a long time ago, having been fired by the Jets. Do you think there's going to be some extra oomph in this matchup week 14? Well, now there certainly is going to be with Adams going against Le'Veon Bell. That certainly creates a storyline. And these two teams, since they only play every four years, it's not like there's typically a ton of, you know, storylines for Jets versus Seahawks. The last couple of times they've played, it's just kind of been just another game on the schedule. But now with this trade, it's going to be a game that's circled in the calendar for a lot of players on both teams with Adams going against Bell and his former team, his former coach, and Adam Gase. And, and I think he's got a chance to be a really fun game at CenturyLink Field because if Sam Darnold takes another step forward with some of the pieces that the Jets have added, even after trading away Adams, that's a division that's going to be wide open, even with Cam Newton joining the Patriots. To me, it's still a wide open division. The Jets finished on a strong note last year, albeit against a pretty weak last eight opponents. But still, they won the games they were supposed to win. They finished strong. If they're able to carry some momentum over and some of the young guys they brought in, like Denzel Mims and uh, Mekhi Becton, those players really come in and they're ready to play right away. Uh, then the Jets could have a chance to be a team that's in the playoff hunt at that stage of the season, which makes it a very appetizing Week 14 matchup. You add Adams versus the Jets on top of it, and it's going to be a game everybody's looking forward to. The only thing it's going to be missing is a raucous crowd, unfortunately, because I don't think that there's going to be fans at this game. But it would have been awesome. Either way, though, it should be a very interesting matchup. And Corbin, I hope that you'll join me the week of that game so that we can break things down from the Seattle side. Corbin Smith covering the Seattle Seahawks for Sports Illustrated and Locked on Seahawks. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Great insight. For everybody that is unfamiliar with your work, wants to check you out, maybe hit you up on social media, where can they find you? Where can they check out your work? So you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. We also have our website, SeahawkMaven.com through Sports Illustrated. And you can find Locked On Seahawks, our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the major podcast platforms. Make sure that you're following Corbin on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Check him out on Locked On Seahawks and read his work over at SI. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. 
Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So like I said, if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.